I had to crawl through my mom's blood to get to the pantry. We didn't eat or drink much during that time. That is a quote from Sarah Weaver, as quoted in the Bonner County Daily Bee, September 4th, 2010. And welcome, welcome, welcome to another fantastic-ish, somber-ish episode of Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion. Before we get started, let me first remind you that we are covered by the BIPCOT government license, which allows for the use and reuse of this podcast by anyone and everyone except for governments and the bludgies thereof. You can learn more about that at BIPCOT.org. That is B-I-P-C-O-T dot O-R-G. We're also protected by Brandenburg v. Ohio, 1969 which ruled that the government cannot punish inflammatory speech unless that speech is, quote, directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such action. Therefore, everything said here on Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion is entirely hypothetical. Yeah, I think this is episode 147. I think that's what it was. And um, no it's the anniversary of uh, Vicki Weaver's murder at Ruby Ridge. Yay. Yeah. Happy anniversary. She was shot holding her infant mm-hmm. in the back of the head. Yep. And then her body decomposed in front of her children and husband. For the next for week. Days. For the next yeah. yeah, for the next week. Day. As they as they taunted her, the dead woman, the woman that they had just shot. Over the loudspeaker, Vicky. Vicky, we're having pancakes. Would you and the kids like some pancakes? Just come out of the just come out of the cabin, Vicky. My God, dude! I watched a documentary of that right before uh, coming on, and after reading some articles about it, and yeah, I'm just I'm not in the best of moods. That's um, um, understandable. What's the, the daughter's name. Um, Which, the the oldest one is Sarah. Yeah, Sarah. And then, okay. And then and then Samuel, and then there was. Um, Rachel, and then the baby is Elishba. Yeah, it's uh, Sarah, I think, that I, I saw an interview with where she Sa- actually walked Sarah, through. Sarah's the family spokesman. Yeah, she she walks through yeah, everything. She's the only and... one you'll see talking about it. Yeah, she points to points to the holes in the in the outbuilding where the rounds hit um, when they shot at her dad. Is he? I think he was. I think Randy was just getting wood or something. I don't. I no, don't he went to he he went to visit Samuel's body. Oh, Sam, that's what he's Samuel's doing. Body that's was right. in the shed. Yeah, and they, they took pot shots he, uh, at him and No, he uh um we'll get in, we'll get into all that. We'll get into all that, but uh um yeah, he was reaching up to unlock the shed um so he could go in and visit Samuel's body and Lon Harachi took a shot and it went through his back and came out in his armpit. And then uh Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. I don't want to start at the beginning of the story. I hate this story. I know. Uh, This is one of those things I have to, like, disassociate from or, like, compartmentalize or it'll make me fucking crazy thinking about it. Yeah. This one in Waco. You gotta gotta get closer to your mic or something, man. Chris. Or figure out your mic. So, um, I just got, we got a, cu- a couple different articles. Like there's, there's a really, really good one at, uh, from ammo.com. I don't know if you guys follow their blog. Their blog is fantastic. And then let's see, where was the other one? 
That was the other one I was going to use. But, um... So, yeah, um... Let's see, uh, where do we start, where do we start, where do we start? Um, Rainer Weaver was, in many ways, a typical American story. He grew up in Iowa farming community. He got decent grades in high school and played football. His family attended church regularly. Um, he dropped out of community college and joined the United States Army in 1970. Um, he was a, I believe it was a Green Beret. Um, yep. Vietnam. Vietnam. Did some some yep. stuff over there, and after three here three years, he was honorably discharged. Uh, one month later, he married Victoria Jordanson. This is Vicky. Uh, he enrolled at University of Northern Iowa, studying criminal justice with eyes toward becoming an FBI agent. Hashtag irony. Yeah, um, he dropped out because tuition was too expensive. Um, this is <coughs> the late 1970s. Um, Right. There was the, the recession was going on. It was just going off the gold standard thanks to Nixon. And uh, this Cold War was just ramping up. So, I mean, there was a lot of not good things going on. He ended up working at the John Deere plant while his work, while his wife worked as a secretary um, before she eventually became a homemaker. Oh, yeah, because he was he was in Iowa. So it would have been the uh, main John Deere plant in the Quad Cities. Yeah. Um, Is my audio better? Yeah, yes. sounds better. All right. Uh, give us a give us a check. Check one two. Yeah, that works. Uh, fine. We are the most professional podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Reigning <laughs> champs. What um, would an, what would an episode of the show not be if it weren't for technical problems? Whether it's Andrew or myself. Profitable. Some or your internet. <laughs> At some or point, we would have figured this shit out, but no. Yeah, you did 147 episodes. We still have no fucking idea what we're doing. It's... Yeah. <laughs> um, both of the Weavers increasingly became apocalyptic in their views of the world. Uh, this combined with an increasing emphasis on the Old Testament-based Christianity. Christianity led them to seek a life away from mainstream America, a life of self-reliance. Vicky, in particular, had strong visions of her family surviving the apocalypse through life far away from what they viewed as a corrupt world. To that end, uh, Randy purchased a 20-acre farm in Ruby Ridge, Idaho, and they ended up building a cabin there. All right, so this is this is this is when 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 the Cold War is just starting to ramp up. Um, Vietnam, like Randy's. He served in Vietnam. There's still all the stuff coming from Vietnam and, and all the stuff that they're dealing with, right? And the, and the economy the, is shit in the bed. The economy is shit in the bed. There's all the... Uh, uh, so they had the, reason to believe the yeah. way that they did. This yeah, was not unreasonable. You know, there, there's things that are happening in the government and the government's changing. The government, the government you know, they just went off the... Uh, um, um, gold standard. Off the, off the gold standard. And, and also, so there's, there's, a, there's a big migratory push at that time also uh, a lot of uh, immigration coming in so there's there's a lot of stuff going on and I, they were seeking answers and that's where they found the answers well yeah and they they also were watching because this is you know now the eu is something that's very you know common in every day but at this time this is when the the um, Xinjiang zone was starting to become a thing and they were starting to talk about creating a single european government and a single european currency which plays right into the whole one world government thing pretty easily and so they're looking at that and going holy shit and 
you know, the Soviet Union's yeah. starting to make lots and lots of moves. Central America and Southeast Asia and the United States is making a lot of moves there as well. So it's like, yeah, uh, China, China's also China's also getting really big at this point in time also. Yeah, yep. it's a tumultuous right. time yeah. in the world. So uh, Tony Acres, Ruby Ridge. Uh, the land was purchased for $5,000 in cash and the trade of the truck they used to move there. After moving to Ruby Ridge, uh, Weaver became acquainted with members of the Aryan nations in nearby Hayden Lake. Um, he even attended some rallies. The FBI believed his involvement in the church was much deeper than it actually was. They thought he was a regular congregant of the Aryan nations and had attended Aryan nations at World Congress. Okay. Um, they actually only attended four or five events in like uh like six years or whatever it was yeah not very often so, I mean, it, yeah. like invited by somebody that they were acquaintances or well, friends with type of... the, the area that they that they moved to ruby ridge idaho this is the idaho panhandle uh they're only like 40 miles from the canadian border right at mm -hmm. this point in time it was an extremely isolated area Right. Right. So I mean, we're, we're talking we're talking 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's an extremely isolated area. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of people there. And then after they moved there, then the the Aryan Nation and some of those people moved there. Gotcha. Right? This, so so these people were literally their neighbors. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I, say I it's, mean, it's not they're, a big community. Everybody kind of knows everybody. Everybody yeah. interacts with everybody. It's an isolated place. It is. Does this one? Does this one? I've been through it? there several times because we used to go. Yeah, they, this, they actually talk about it in um, uh, Ricky or Randy and Vicky were interviewed by the FBI in 1985 when Randy denied membership in the group, citing profound theological differences. Uh, the yep. Weavers, who at some point uh, had some point of agreement with the Aryan Nations, primary about the importance of the Old Testament. Mostly saw their affiliation with the Aryan Nation as a social outlet. Living off the grid, the nearby members of the Aryan Nations were neighbors in the remote uh, northern Idaho. Well, yeah, right. just because you just because you go to meetings, just because you associate with you know your neighbors at one of these things, doesn't at any point mean that you actually believe anything that they're saying at this or anything right. else. You're just going to it. I mean, I can yeah. go to a, a thing with a bunch of Buddhists and go hang out with a bunch of Buddhists. It doesn't mean that I'm becoming a Buddhist, you know, like that's right. just me going to hang out with them because they're cool um, people. Otherwise, but, like, and, and right. one, of, one of the, one of the things that, that Randy said, or that um, uh, Randy and Vicky said again and again and again, is that they, they weren't supremacists, right? They, they were, they were separatist, which some people believe is a racist or whatever, but, that's a that's a, a whole different theological discussion. They're separatists, yeah. they, but there's they a want... million reasons to want to separate yourself from fucking yeah. modern society. Yeah, they they, mm -hmm. they were they were afraid of big government. They were afraid of, um, in their words, Zog Zionist, Zionist occupied government. So I mean, you, I'm tr I'm trying to say I'm trying to say this without sounding racist. It's really hard. I don't think I can say it, but. <laughs> But that that was that was their fear was Zog was Zionist Zionist occupied government. They're afraid of, of 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 the big Jewish conspiracy, you know, the the Jew world order and all that stuff. Um, well, Zionism is a secular thing. Yeah, that's it has very that's little what, that's to do with the religion. That's that's yeah. that's what I was trying to get to. It's it's yeah. it's an, an extremist version of, of of the Jewish faith, right? It's like yeah. it's like 
It's like Westboro Baptist Church. It's yeah, yeah it's like not West, representative West, of like, yeah, it's like bl- blaming no. Westboro for all Christianity or, or or blaming blaming suicide bombers for all of Muslim, you know, right. Islam. It's it's, it's 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 such Muslims, it's such yeah. a, 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 yeah. a minute small separatist extremist ideology that it, it doesn't represent Judaism. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's I mean, but you can see. You know, you can see where a lot of their ideals do, you know, where their beliefs do align with mm-hmm. the Aryan Brotherhood and things. Ironically, the emphasis in the Old Testament, which is all about uh-huh. Jews and them <laughs> Jews, associating Jews with, yeah. Yeah, yeah, associating with <laughs> the Aryan And nation. honestly, none of it really, none of it really matters because you know what? This is supposed to be America. You're supposed to be able to believe whatever the fuck you want to believe. In that's, this country, yeah, that's, as long that's, as you don't hurt right. anybody. That's that's the other point I wanted to get to eventually was, is is they weren't trying to force this on people, right? Like right. like they, they weren't parts of like the order or the actual Aryan nations. They weren't out there, you know, beating people, be, beating or, people up, you know, or, or yeah, you know, right. skinheads. Which is an inc- or, incredibly important distinction. I mean, yeah. they're right. they're out there. Yeah, they're saying their shit. They're they're speaking their minds, but they're not actively causing. They're not infringing on anybody else's. On yeah, anybody they're not else hurting anyone. By doing so. Yeah, it's they're the same they're, thing. They're separatists, right? They, yeah, they move right. to the mountain to, to get away from everything, to be separate from everything. And I, I don't have to agree with everything somebody believes mm-hmm. to know that they got fucking treated horribly yeah. and dealt a shitty yeah. hand by the government. I don't yeah. have to agree with everything that they fucking say. Um so. Oh, yeah, they weren't they weren't like actively like trying to bring about the collapse of the government and replacement with some they white supremacist. To be left they weren't actually. Yeah, they, I, it's funny you say that because one of the books that helped, um, for lack of a better term, radicalized Vicky Weaver was Anne Rand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's I mean that's the thing is like they they weren't trying to actively bring any of this about. They just want they thought it was coming. And so they were like, I don't want to be in cities. I don't want to be around all these other people. Yeah. When this happens, because this is going to get bad and I just want to be away from it. That's all they're doing. They're not hurting fucking anyone. Well, and to put that in the more modern context, look at what happened when all the major cities last year and this year, there are all kinds of houses for sale and stuff inside the cities. But you get into the small communities like where I live and the housing market. I mean, there was a house just down the street from me the other day sold for just about $200,000. As last year, this time, it would have been probably a $125,000 house. Yeah, the housing market is blowing up where we're at, too. Yeah, because everybody's trying to flee. Right. Right. Yeah, they're fleeing the cities. Um. We bought our house like four years ago for three seventy nine, and I could probably put it on the market for like four ninety now, you know, uh, five hundred because of all the shit we've done to it. But still, the housing market's going insane. <laughs> so, and, and there's nothing available. And, and, and it wasn't it wasn't like all peachy with with the Aryan Nation because he did have issues with one of his neighbors, and that neighbor wrote. A let or no called the Secret Service and said that Randy and Vicky uh, threatened to kill Ronald Reagan um, and then like two or three other celebrities and that that that's why that's why they were interviewed in '85 
is oh, because the, their neighbor was upset. And if they actually were fat, like wannabe fascist neo-Nazis of all the people they wouldn't want to assassinate, Ronald fucking Reagan would be at the top of that list. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) that dude like Reaganism was the era of, yeah, America with the jackboot wearing fascist thugs. You know what I mean? Like that was, you know, very much a an American supremacist era. And which makes me laugh really, really hard whenever you hear people, especially conservatives going, Ronald Reagan, best president ever. Like, (laughs) are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. They have no idea. No. Absolutely. They have no clue. So, um, so, um, let's see. Where was I? Um, in July 1986, uh, Randy met informant Kenneth Fadley, F-A-D-E-L-E-Y, Fadley. Uh, informant Kenneth Fadley using the alias Gus Magnesio, uh, who they met several times over the next three years uh in october 1989 after a conversation in which randy foresaw an imminent war uh with the soviet union and complained for the upteenth time about quote the world going down the tubes the two men discussed a deal in which the hard up weaver because i mean randy wasn't working there's still the the economy issued idaho there's no real jobs because there's no not a lot of people up there so i mean they were hard up for money well, yeah, he lives. He lives in a in a cabin with no power, little, running water on top plywood, of a mountain. Yeah, little plywood right. cabin. Yeah, yeah, like what, what's he gonna do for work? <laughs> um, I see. Um, hard up Weaver that he would sell Fadley two or uh, Fadley two sawed off shotguns. Uh, family claimed that Weaver proposed the deal. Randy says that it was the other way around. I uh, two it was weeks. The other way around. Yeah, two weeks later in a city park, Weaver presented Fadley with the two shotguns. So we can go the, the, the anarcho route here and say that, you know, his property cut it however short he wants, blah, 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 whatever. whatever that, um, well, and keep in mind, I mean, you know, this was what what year was this? 1999. 99. So Eight, 89 or 89. 89. So keep in mind three, just three years prior. Right. Just three legal. years prior. Yeah. yeah. It would have been entirely legal for him to do that and just say, hey, make sure you pay your tax stamps and then sell them to him without a problem. He was he would have been completely allowed to do that without an yeah, issue. And they'd been they'd been off the grid that yeah. whole time. Those whole so, three um, years plus they've been off the grid. Right. Yeah. Uh, Weaver also um, Weaver just d- disputes that they were shortened. Uh, he says that they were entirely legal and that they were shortened after the fact. Which is entirely oh. possible. Uh, the notes from the case also show that Fadley purchased the guns and showed Weaver where to shorten them, which would constitute illegal entrapment. Yep, which means that he, the money exchanged hands, the guns therefore became uh-huh. Fedley's property, and then Fedley said, hey, commit this felony for me. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um. Let's see, that was in, let's see. Um, the real purpose of the investigation was not to grab Weaver, but to use him to infiltrate a group in Montana being organized by Charles Hallworth. In November 1989, Weaver refused uh, to introduce Fadley to Harworth and fairly ordered by his handlers to have no further contact with Weaver. So that was, that was, that was the whole thing. It was cut these, cut these shotguns down short 
and then they can go, oh, look, Randy, you cut these two short. You're going to go to jail, and your family's going to be kicked off the land because we're going to confiscate that too mm-hmm. if, you don't, if you don't become an informant for us. Yep, this is and this is the exact same thing that they do every single day. They do yes. it with kids who are, you know, running money for drug dealers. They do it for drug dealers themselves. They do it with people who are doing all kinds of things just to try and squeeze some money out of the economy to try and make a living. And they entrap them, they get them, and then they lean on them and threaten them. If yep. they and, don't help, I mean, that's how uh, John DeLorean, uh, the guy who created the DeLorean cars, that's how he got entrapped was the guy who entrapped him had himself been entrapped and then leaned on by the FBI. Yeah, right. I mean, we're not we're not talking like he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't rip anybody off. These weren't like stolen firearms or nothing. All yeah, they're his was, sons. All he did was cut some pieces of metal short. Yeah. Well, yeah. On yeah. his friend's gun when his friend asked him to yeah essentially yeah. is what this was right so that was that was in, in november um 1989 when randy said no he, he wasn't gonna introduce him uh and then in june 1990 um Federley's cover was blown right so mm-hmm. the, the informant got the informant got found out um, he got made it was then that the atf reached out to weaver stating that they had evidence he was dealing illegal firearms. Uh, they told him they would drop all charges if he would agree to become a new informant regarding the investigation of the Aryan Nations uh, group in that area. Weaver, turn, Weaver, said, Weaver said no. Yeah, turn on your neighbors and we'll let this go. Right. Yeah. Which is a big no. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, they already had a neighbor try to fucking turn them into the federal government. For yeah. Shit they didn't um, do. Let's see. That was so. um, to coerce him into changing his mind. Because that's going to work. Uh, the Fed staged a stunt where a broken down couple were on the side of the road. Weaver being good neighbors. Weaver and, and, and Vicky and the girls. Um, they pulled up next to them. Um, try, try and help the couple. And they were handcuffed, thrown face down in the snow, and arrested. He had to post his house as bond. And still, again, refused to become a federal informant. Well, yeah, because, I mean, again, remember, this guy is a former Green Beret. We don't get coerced. Yeah. You you don't coerce us. That is That doesn't work. <laughs> All that means is that we're going to hate you that much more and be that much more determined to fuck you hard. Yeah, <laughs> just plain and simple. That's how it works. And that's, you know, and this is a guy who the federal government themselves poured hundreds of thousands of dollars into training in Vietnam in, you know, not being subject to being coerced into not being able to be interrogated and things like mm-hmm. that. Like they put all that money into this guy. So they knew full well the kind of man he was mm-hmm. and that it wasn't going to work. Yeah, so, okay, there's uh, the irony of the federal government's desire to obtain information within the Aryan nation uh, is that different branches of the federal uh, law enforcement and intelligence gathering occupied five of the six key positions in the uh, in the organization at the time. Oh, my God. Gee, that sounds familiar. <clears throat> this, means, this means that the Aryan nations were effectively a government-run shop 
with agents spying on each other to ensure the integrity of uh, integrity of an investigation into an organization ran almost entirely by the federal government. Or the okay. Spider-Man meme comes to mind right now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, or the, government... the guys were like believing members of it. Yeah. Uh, and the... they're yeah. silencing Weaver because they think that he can take them down. The government had an obsession with the Aryan Nations due to Robert J. Matthews. Um, he was a member of the Order that was in the, the PNW, um, which included members of the Aryan Nation. The FBI hostage rescue team, um, the HRT, they uh, actually burned Matthews alive inside his own home during a standoff. Gosh, that that doesn't sound familiar either. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, due to his ongoing refusal to snitch... Weaver was then arrested on January 1991 on the illegal firearm sales charge. These charges stem from Weaver's earlier, quote, sale of two shortened shotguns to Federally, the undercover, F- or uncover, undercover ATF agent, a sale which the feds later admitted constituted illegal entrapment. Yeah. Gosh, does it? Hmm. That's like the fucking definition okay. of entrapment. <laughs> Weaver's court date was set. People? Weaver's court Ooh. date was set for February nineteenth, nineteen ninety-one. The next day, that was changed to February twentieth, nineteen ninety-one. However, the note that Randy received read March twentieth, nineteen ninety-one. Right. Hmm. Uh, so he missed the February court appearance and a bench warrant was issued for his arrest. The United States Marshal Service wanted to allow Weaver a chance to appear for what he thought was uh, his court date. However, the United States Attorney's Office sought a grand jury indictment on March 14th, which was six days before the notice said he was due in court. So, okay. So, to recap here, they give him the wrong court date. Okay, no, 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 no. They they give him a court date, which is February 19th, right? And then the next day, this is after Randy's gone, that court date gets changed to February 20th. And again, he lives in a cabin on a mountain with no phone, no no electricity, no running water. Letter, the letter he receives says March 20th, not February 20th, which is the actual court date. So they they give him they give him a letter that says the wrong court date. Then, rather than just go, oh, well, he's going to show up on this day because this is when we told him, which means that they knew they gave him the wrong court date. Yes. Instead, what they did is they went to a grand jury and got an indictment before he even had an opportunity to show up for the court date that they knew that they had informed him it was going to be. So to me, what this sounds like is that the Aryan Nation had infiltrated these government agencies responsible for all these decisions that look deliberately designed to fucking end up with Randy Weaver dead. Like somebody fucking yes. wanted him dead. Yes. Um, yep. It was going way was, out of their way to do it. That yeah. Was, that was the fear that Vicky had. Um, and she, and after missing the court date or the, the jury thing, whatever the grand jury indictment, she actually wrote a letter addressed to the U.S. Attorney for Idaho 
that was addressed to the, quote, servant of the queen of Babylon. That promised, quote, we will not <laughs> bow to evil commandments. We will live uh, or whether we will die. Yeah. I, I got to love the uh, the brass balls on her for sending the letter like that. Yeah. Oh, well, Vicky, here's, Vicky was extremely radicalized. Uh, well, it's uh, not... Well, it's not even just that. It's that what you've done very clearly is you have taken people and backed them into a corner. Well, no, and they not, know they're these, backed into a corner. And these are mm. these are people that were that were already skeptic, skeptical of the government, of big yeah. government, yeah. of government tyranny. They I like that they they moved from you know corn-fed Iowa to a mountaintop in 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 Idaho in the middle of fucking nowhere to get away from big government, and the big government comes and knocks on their door. And the big government's like, well, if you don't snitch for us, you're going to go to jail. And then they give them the wrong court date. And, and they know. just fuck them even harder. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. the longest short of it. Is they're just trying to fuck them every which way they can. I mean, it's, just, it, it, in, in, this, in this mindset, two plus two equals four. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, yeah. And there's, you know, and there's a, there's a principle in warfare that you don't, you, you always leave a window of hope for the enemy that you're attacking. Mm-hmm. Right, that they might survive. If you hoist that black flag, right, the take no prisoners, if they know that there is no escape, they will fight until their dying breath. So you don't ever do that. Yeah, Yeah. so you don't ever do that because you want them to not fight as hard. What they've just done to the weavers in this with these sets of moves is hoist a black flag and back them up into a position from which there is no escape. There is no way for them to find a legal route out of this, and they know it. They are now going to have to fight, and they're going to have to fight for their lives. And you've left them no way to escape that. Right. Which was the whole point, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Already skeptical of the feds after their repeated strongman tactics. Both Randy and Vicky saw this as further evidence that the Weavers would not receive a fair trial. They increasingly isolated themselves uh, on their Ruby Ridge farm, vowing to fight rather than surrender peacefully. And then um, um, during the standoff, a voluntary surrender date was negotiated with the Marshal Service for October 1991. Right. So this is this is a this is an agreement between them and the Weavers. Right. Randy said, "Okay, okay, you know, I'll surrender. At that point in time. But the United States Attorney's Office refused the settlement. Yet again, those in Why power... Why the fuck would they refuse it if they didn't want him dead? Like, murderous yeah. intent wanted yeah. him fucking dead. Yeah, because, um, I mean, he's giving... And that's a, that's a trend with this, is Randy continuously gave them options to just do things peacefully. Like, oh, yes. I'll be in on that date for court okay we can do that peacefully nope attorney's office doesn't want it oh we'll all surrender Uh, on this date nope attorney's office doesn't want it uh the the attorney's office continuously they're out for fucking blood the deputy director of the special operations group of the marshal service using evidence obtained through surveillance believed that the best course of action was to drop the indictment issue a new one under seal and use undercover agents to arrest weaver who presumably would have dropped his guard at this point, right? Uh, that recommendation was also rejected by the state attorney's office. So even the marshals, the ones whose job it is to go after 
dangerous people, felons and fugitives. Federal people with federal warrants, yeah. Yeah. They're they're like, like, we don't think this guy's as dangerous as you seem to think. Yeah, the, yeah, they're like, and even if he's dangerous, like all you gotta do is just make him think that everything's gonna be okay, and then you can move in, you can sweep in, and you can grab him once he drops his guard, and it'll yeah, still go nice off. Nice and he's, calm, nobody gets yeah, hurt. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. he, would, he would've got Lavoid, but I mean, it, it still would've been, I don't know, a better option. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, he probably I mean, would have been Lavoid, but you know, maybe Samuel and Vicky would still be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, is you know, you gotta if you're looking at this from the Weaver's perspective, too, like with his his surrender and stuff, he's gotta know that if he surrenders, or at least you know, be certain that if he surrenders, they're driving from that mountaintop all the way in to court. That's a long drive with nobody around, and he's got to know that he's not making it to the end of that breathing. Mm. Yeah, but he's still willing to do that. That's yeah. right. Um, and because it's also his family was in danger. Yeah, and, yeah. It's also uh, shortly after that uh, that Vicky gives birth to Elisheba by herself or her and Randy, I guess, in the in the shed um, up on the mountain, which is fucking but like they were so isolated and 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 so dug into this position that they didn't even go to the hospital for the birth of the baby they wouldn't have made it there yeah they wouldn't have made it there and they wouldn't Uh or they wouldn't have made it back randy would have been arrested while he was there yeah yeah so yeah i mean like they didn't go to the store like they had they had friends and and neighbors that would bring them food and check in on them and um there's there's (laughs) there's uh one that the part of the documentary i watched was, was sarah um, she was talking about during during that time during that that long winter um, that like they would just sit and, and play board games and read books and she said sometimes she would read two books in a day mm-hmm. like because there was nothing else to do right they, they didn't have it they mm-hmm. couldn't they couldn't go anywhere they wouldn't go anywhere um, right. so they just isolated in their little cabin <sighs> okay um, and that's all they wanted in the first fucking place yeah, yeah give, or, give or take yeah um, but to be have some freedom that well yeah and you notice they home. they know you know they know that there's a warrant they know that they're wanted right and they're not running they're just yeah. sitting there they're just like no just leave us alone yeah, they're yeah, still like is, just leave us no, alone yeah. we're not hurting anybody so, yeah, leave uh, us alone yeah the weaver household grew in 1991 with the delivery uh and the birthing shed of baby girl named elizabeth the Weaver children now numbered four. In addition to Elisheba, there was Sarah, who was 15 at the time, Sam, 13, Rachel, 9. Kevin Harris, a teen with a troubled past, uh, who the Weavers had taken in, also spent months at a time in the Weaver cabin. The presence of the children complicated the Marshal Service task, especially given Randy Weaver's practice of sending his gun-toting children out in front of him to greet strangers. I don't think that really was, like, his practice. I think it was just something that the kids did because, you know, they're fucking bored. Yeah. And this, um, this, this next paragraph, this is, this is another angle of this. Like we got, we got all this, we got, we got the, the angle, we got all this government pressure on Randy. Right. And, and on this side, we got, we got the, the beliefs, um, um, the religion, right. We got, we got all these, these pressures on, on, on Randy and, and, and on the government trying to make this thing happen. And then by early 1992, the standoff at Ruby Ridge attracted national notoriety. 
press figures ranging from Geraldo Rivera to reporters for the Los Angeles Times requested interviews with the Weavers, but the only reporter they agreed to talk to wrote for a small weekly paper in Bonner's Ferry. In the interview, Randy said that the feds were more concerned about, quote, shutting our mouths than they were about shotguns. The Weavers claimed not to be Aryans or Nazis, just people who came to Idaho to, quote, escape religious persecution. But now Vicky said, quote, there's nowhere left to escape our lawless rulers. The Weavers were making the federal government look weak and silly. Pressures mounted on the Marshal Service to do something. Well, yeah, see, and that's the yeah. thing is they they not only were already defying them, which is already one of the most grievous sins for the government that you do openly now defy they were them. Embarrassing them, too. Yeah, and now yeah. you're rubbing their noses in the fact that you're defying them and that you're going to continue to defy them, defy them. You're not scared of them at all. And what they're terrified of is that they're going to make other people also not terrified. Mm. And showing that you're the ones who've been reasonable this whole fucking time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can't have that either. Because you have to be a villain. And that's also why, you know, I think why Randy didn't want to talk to anybody but the local reporters. Because he knew the national media was going to try and spin it immediately. That was all they were going to do is try and spin. He didn't want it all to just be spun in the government's favor. And he knew Mm. that this local reporter he could trust and would tell the story the way it should be told factually. Right. Right. Um, Where'd that other paragraph go? I got I got so many articles with little snippets hmm. that I just uh where is it where is it where is it you're no, still more organized it. than I am Jason no I'm I'm not <laughs> let's see where is it maybe it was the other article I have four fucking windows open with with different see, articles in them that's why what you do is you copy paste the chunks of the articles into a Google Doc. Oh, come on now. Don't give me this information now. Way, you can just you can just go through it piece by piece. Oh. Or even a Word document. <laughs> oh, come on. Who wants to pay for Word? You can just use Google. No, I have uh, OpenOffice. Oh, yeah, you can use that too. But either way, that's what I always do is I just copy. I just grab chunks of the articles and just slap them together in one paper. And that way I just have a cohesive narrative. See how nice that is? You are more professional than well, I am. Aren't you special, <laughs> Andrew? <laughs> These are life lessons, kids. <laughs> um, I'm too okay. old. I just had another birthday. I'm too fucking old to learn new shit. Fucking youngsters. <laughs> I am only six months younger than you, Jason. Yeah, which makes you a youngster. My my one buddy is only three weeks older than I am. I still call him the old man. Yeah. Well, my cousin is only 12 days younger than me, and she calls me old, too. Okay, either I can't find that fucking thing. Either way, um, the, the, the point I was going to make was that the, um, the Marshal Service during this time, they uh, were doing surveillance on, on the Weavers, right? They, they had, like, aerial recognizance video and photos from, you know, overhead planes and whatnot. They had a... Um, motion-activated cameras set up around the, around the Weaver's cabin. They had night vision cameras set up around the Weaver's cabin. They had um, 
uh, I think it was like a hundred and thirty thousand dollars uh, worth of surveillance uh, uh, video and audio equipment set up around the Weaver cabin. Over a pair early nineties dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Over a pair of allegedly illegal allegedly shotguns. two short shotguns. Yeah, that they already knew they had entrapped them into. And how far were they short? Um, by a quarter of, of an inch. I, 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 like like a, a quarter, a quarter of an inch on on one and a half inch on the other, or something like that. Uh, okay. Again, uh, again, uh, Randy, Randy says he didn't cut them too short, which means he he knew how short that what, what the law was. Right. Yep. Right. Which is which is what sixteen inches. Sixteen, 16 inches overall length. Right. Uh, for shotguns, it's longer. Is 18? it sixteen and a half? I think 18? it's. I think it's eighteen. 18? Eighteen, really? For shotgun? I think so. I think it's. I think uh, it's, I'll check it. I'll check it. Yeah. Either way, but Randy, Randy says he, he cut it to the length and and that it, they were cut afterwards. See, Which, we don't even fucking know. We have internet access. I don't care about the law. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, on top of that, though, I mean, it's oh, also really. keep in mind that like you can, if that barrel isn't attached to a shotgun, it's just a piece of metal. Yes. That you can cut to whatever length you want. It doesn't matter. It isn't until you actually join it to that shotgun that it mm-hmm. becomes too short. Right. Rifle so, 16, shotgun 18. 18 it is okay. 18. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, even so 18, 18 inches overall length. And that's overall, right? That isn't just barrel length. No, that's, that's, that's barrel length. Oh, that's just that's, barrel? Okay. Yep. Overall oh, length from is the end of the stock. Okay. okay. So, I mean, realistically... I, what he probably should have done is he should have gone out of his way to really, really finish the very end of the barrel. So it was nice and, you know, and he maybe had some shoulders on it and it was reblued and all this nice fancy stuff so that when they bring them in as evidence, he can be like, you guys recut that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very clearly, <sighs> you recut that. Uh, on August 21st, 1992, six U.S. Marshals were sent to scout the area to determine suitable places away from the cabin to apprehend and arrest Weaver. The marshals dressed in military camouflage were equipped with night vision goggles and M16 rifles. Deputy U.S. Marshals uh, Aaron or Art Roderick, Larry Cooper, and Bill Deegan formed the reconnaissance team, while Deputy U.S. Marshals David Hunt, Joseph Thomas, and Frank Norris formed an observation post team on the ridge north of the cabin. At one point, Roderick threw threw two rocks at the Weaver cabin to test the dog's reactions. Right, Sarah Sarah Weaver says uh, in the in the the, the documentary that I I, um, I watched earlier that uh, the dogs would regularly react to people coming up the hill. Right, so the the dogs were the early alert system for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which makes sense. That's what dogs are for. Yeah, damn good early, early, yeah. early alert. Our system dogs too. are early alert system for anybody who steps foot on our property. <laughs> um, yeah. let's see. Um, oh, damn it. But I mean, keep in mind by this point, right, where they've made this decision, they've been sieging them, like monitoring them, and everything else, laying yeah. siege to them for how long? Months. I was gonna say, I think yeah. it's over a year at this point. Um, let's see. the The arrest, the, the initial arrest was, um, uh, early ninety one. Right. So this this is a year and a half, like eighteen months at this point. Eighteen months. 
Yeah. It took them 18 months of sitting here spying on this family. Making just trying them to more live paranoid. Their lives. Yeah. yeah, making them ever more paranoid before they just even make the decision, now we're going to make a move. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, what a fucking uh, waste of resources. Uh, at one point, one point, Roger threw two rocks at the Weaver cabin to test the dog's reaction. The action provoked the dogs... Uh, and then Weaver's friend Kevin Harris and Weaver's 14-year-old son Samuel uh, emerged and chased after the dog striker who was running down the hill. Um, Harris and uh, Harris and the younger Weaver said that they were hoping that the dog had noticed a game animal since the cabin was almost out of meat. Right, I'm sure they shot it back over their shoulder. Uh, it was a deer or something, um, which is entirely possible. Yeah. Might be a squirrel, might be a rabbit, might be something like anything at this point is fresh meat. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, we can. Yeah, the mm-hmm. recon team, which was Roderick, Cooper, and Deegan, initially retreated through the woods uh, in radio contact with the OPT and the observation team, uh, and then later took up uh, hidden defensive positions. From a little kid and a teenager. Yes. Um, and then this is the, the part that I don't want to read <sighs> um uh, part I don't hear. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so they're they're they took up they took up a, a, a defensive position the dog's running down the hill after them you know he's he's on their scent now at this point and uh kevin harris and and sammy weaver are chasing them The Weavers claimed that the camouflaged marshals fired first and refused to identify themselves. Probably. The marshals claimed that they rose to identify themselves. They were fired upon by Sammy Weaver and Kevin Harris. And yet another version of events, marshals uh, shot the Weavers' dog, Striker, as he exposed their position and then were fired upon by Sammy in retaliation. Man, because you just shot his fucking dog. Yeah, right, so the, the, uh, of the, the three of those likely scenarios, I am going to go with the first one as the most likely because they're supposed to be there as kind of a covert reconnaissance team. See, see now there's, there's, there's different versions. Like each article I have has a different variation on this. So this the different article says, um, the recon team re- retreated through the woods to the wide junction in the trail, 500 yards west of the cabin out of sight of it. Sammy and Harris followed striker on foot through the woods while Randy also on foot took a separate logging trail. Vicky, Sarah, Rachel, and baby Elisabeth remained at the cabin. The OP team um, were anxious at first, but then relaxed. Randy encountered the marshals at the Y. Roderick claimed to have yelled, back off, U.S. Marshal, upon sighting Weaver. And Cooper said he shouted, stop, U.S. Marshal. Uh, by their account, Sammy and Stryker came out of the woods a minute later. A gunfight erupted between marshals Sammy and Harris after one of the marshals shot and killed the dog. Which... And that's I don't believe that part either because Randy says that he encountered Harris running back up the hill after there were some shots, and then Harris told Randy that Sammy was dead, and then they retreated up to the house, and then later Randy went down and picked up his son and carried the son up. I, I think I think that's the more likely story, not the one that the marshals have, because you know the marshals are going to try to protect themselves. Well, yeah, they're going to lie their fucking asses off to try yeah. and cover up the fact that they straight up murdered a child and his well, dog. Well, that that's that's well, the and, thing. That's and the they thing. can there's, do that there's, legally. There's there's no there's no 
dispute that they shot the dog. Right? Is, did they shoot the dog first? Or did they shoot the dog after? I think they shot the dog first because the dog gave away their position. Right? Tactically, right. that's the right thing to do. Right? Yeah, and yeah. cops like to shoot dogs because they're fucking afraid of them. <laughs> and well, I mean, tactically, marshals, they're super cops. Yeah. Tactically, it depends on the dog's behavior. If the dog is being friendly and no one knows where the dog is, it makes more sense to stab the dog. But yeah, oh, that's yeah, it's well, less noise. That's why. You but a, a dog is a the dog is an unpredictable element in any encounter. Yeah. So they're not yeah. going to want that. They're going to eliminate the dog. Yeah. Um, a later ballistics report showed that 19 rounds were fired during the fight. Roderick fired one shot from his M16A1. Deegan fired, uh, fired seven from an M16 while moving at least 21 feet. Cooper fired six from a 9mm Colt submachine gun. Sammy fired three from a Ruger uh, 223 Mini 14. And Harris fired two from his 30 6 M1917 infield rifle. Uh, in the gunfight, a shot or shots were first fired from uh, DUSM Roderick killing Weaver's dog, a yellow Labrador named Stryker. At which time, Sammy, Sammy is reported to have fired at Roderick. Um, it's reported that Sammy shouted, you killed my dog, you bastard, and then shot at the guy. Um, he didn't hit him, but Sammy fired a couple shots and then took off running. Um, and then uh, Sammy is reported to have time at Roderick. After the federal agents began to firing, Sammy was killed by a shot in the back while retreating. Harris shot and killed uh, Marshall Deegan. What had happened is, is Sammy fired his couple of shots, and then once they started firing back, Sammy took off running. And then Sammy got zipped in the back uh, by two rounds. One round hit him in square in the back, and the other round almost severed his arm. The round that almost severed his arm was later found in a tree uh, with trace DNA evidence on it. That was enough for the Bonner County Sheriff to determine, or the Bonner County Sheriff Lab to determine that... Um, Sammy was actually killed by the marshals. It took five years for them to prove that. So, Jesus. Yeah. <sighs> but they were all different makes of guns. Like it. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, bullets that impact wood do interesting things and squish down. It can be almost impossible to tell what caliber it was. Um, if it impacted, I know, bone but I'm prior talking about to... like entrance and exit wounds and stuff. Should have been able to fucking prove it. You well, yeah, and I'm sure they did. I'm sure it was pretty obvious. If somebody gets shot in the back and it exits through the front, you know that that round came in through the back and exited through the front. Especially right. if it's something as small as a five five six, or if it's something that has a tendency to flatten in a specific way, like a forty five. You're gonna know that exit entrance you're going to know the difference because you're going to be dramatically different sizes and right. these guys were probably not using fmjs mm. right. let's see um so this this is another article on this and it actually says uh um uh, then the shots began who shot first remains a point of contention even today the government story is that harris wheeled and fired first fatally wounding uh billy deegan in the chest cooper responded by firing three round bursts at harris but missed him roderick meanwhile from his location further down the path worried that the dog might give away their location of the other marshals fired and killed striker what the government stories cannot account for is how sammy weaver randy's then 13 year old son ended up dead with a bullet in his back According to the marshals, they had no clue Sammy had been killed until his body was discovered 
days later, it was actually the next day, uh, in the Weavers at Birthing Shed. Uh, what is what is known is that the machine guns were finally gathered up, to the great surprise of Cooper, who was certain Deegan never fired. It was discovered that seven shots were missing from Deegan's gun. Hmm. Kevin Harris later hmm. offered a different version of the event. He said that when Roderick shot his dog, Sammy Weaver yelled, quote, You killed my dog, you son of a bitch, and began firing at the marshals, one of whom opened up on him with a barrage of bullets. Kevin claimed he fired at Deegan only to protect Sammy, but it was too late. See, that seems plausible that the sequence of events is dog reveals position. Mm-hmm. Uh, person at that position fires on dog, kills dog. Sammy sees the dog go down, sees the fire. He then fires just a couple of wild shots in their general direction, turns and takes off running. As he does, marshals then open fire, continue firing as they're running away. Yep. Harris sets up and fires an aimed shot mm-hmm. at one of the threats to down it to give Sammy enough time to get away wheels around moves back a little bit fires again realizes sammy's down and heads back that's that's, that's how it, that's how it reads in my mind too yeah that's yeah. exactly um, how i think it went down and and, yeah. and people are going to ask you oh why were they carrying such big firearms and m16s and all this other well like as we established earlier you know randy weaver was a um a, a green beret Right. So th- there were there were all these wild rumors. You know, they uh, the documentary I watched said that uh, the investigating Marshall when doing recognizance, doing the initial reconnaissance uh, report, um, talked to like two dozen neighbors and, and, and people in the community. And he, he literally asked, well, why don't why don't I just go up there and and talk to him? Talk to Right. Like and the people were said, oh, no. You know, some people were like, oh, no, he has that place booby trapped. You know, oh, no, they'll kill you on first sight and all this other stuff. So there were a lot of things in the rumor mill that in addition to Randy and Vicky having this uh, deep, heavy, embedded religious belief, coupled with Randy being a former Green Beret, former combat vet, you know, Vietnam. You know how the fucking Vietnamese were with their fucking, you know, booby traps and yeah, all this other stuff. Um, Similar to the Afghanis. <laughs> yes. And the Iraq. So, yeah. So there so there was this this a lot of instilled um instilled fear and that that, that they had that they had for you know going up there and, and dealing mm-hmm. with Randy Weaver. Well and there's a Steve Earl song talking about learning a thing or two from Charlie and well, you know, I mean who knows. So but it's <laughs> <laughs> yes. but that's I mean, that's the thing that uh, unfortunately, that's a reality of being a Green Beret uh, is that just hearing that government agents will immediately respond to you as if you are a constant mm-hmm. mortal threat. Uh-huh. Just immediately. That's that's how right. they're going to respond to you. Um, when I got arrested, I it's to a lesser extent for all vets. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's but it, especially <laughs> if you were spec ops, they yeah. Yeah, when I when I got arrested, you know, I I fully cooperated and everything. I they would have been stupid not to. And <laughs> when I got arrested, I got thanked for my cooperation. Like three cops were like, "Thank you for cooperating." And I'm like, "Oh, so you know who I am? All right, well, uh, <laughs> thanks for not shooting me immediately. Appreciate it." But I mean, that's it. It alters the landscape in the interaction 
almost immediately by knowing that somebody is trained and knowledgeable and not only the use of firearms, but the use of cover, small unit tactics, the use of terrain, all these other things. And it's likely has some experience with killing another human being. Yeah. And especially, I mean, if you've, if you've been to combat as, you know, as Randy had been, you know, he was, he was not only Green Beret, he was one of the original Green Berets, like the, when Kennedy first authorized the wearing of the Green Beret was in Vietnam. Special Forces was created in Vietnam. So this is like, he's one of the, the old G motherfuckers that started this shit. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of intimidation for a lot of these guys in in law enforcement who have never had the balls to actually do this shit. There's a lot of intimidation factor there, and you become a boogeyman for them. Yep. And that's unfortunately part of what's happening is that Randy is a boogeyman. They're looking at him as this like super soldier who's going to materialize like the fucking predator out of the forest and attack them. It's fucking yeah. Baba Yaga. Yeah. And he's, right. he's fucking not. I mean, the reality is you're, you're fucking not. All right. <laughs> that's not how that shit works. Well, but, that's, um, that's what they think. So they're immediately firing without question with everybody because they have been set up psychologically to think you're going to kill them. If you get the tiniest chance. Right. Yeah, uh, and it's important to note that um, post all this, Kevin Harris, they were on, he was on trial for the murder of Deegan, uh, cited uh, self-defense, and mm-hmm. was acquitted. Yep. So, which says an awful lot. The yeah. jury of his peers listened to that whole thing and went, "Yep, that was self-defense." Yep. Yeah. So, um, uh, reports of a marshal dead on Ruby Ridge set off alarm bills in Washington, where FBI officials began plotting their next moves, which included revising the agency's rules of engagement to allow agents to shoot and kill any adult at Ruby Ridge, seeing in possession of a firearm, whether or not the adult was presently risking, presently posing a risk of immediate death or bodily harm. We'll get to that in a second. I saw Andrew. I, I, I saw. I saw Andrew peek. I saw Andrew's eyes go. Whoa! Wait a minute. I'll get to that in a second. Um, the FBI's hostage rescue team, uh, including the most elite snipers, arrived in Idaho early the next morning. Uh, when briefed on their assignment at Ruby Ridge on August 22nd, snipers were told that if they observed adults carrying a weapon, deadly force can and should be used to take them out. You know, I, I want to point out from this article that I'm looking at here from the Libertarian Institute. It's a, in this initial after this initial exchange, the FBI's hostage rescue team sometimes disparagingly called the hostage <laughs> roasting team. That's the, yeah, that's their the proclivity am- to burn down buildings. That Yeah, that's the ammo.com article. It's, it's, a, it's a, a reprint, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I mean, they're not well, wrong. They, right. they roasted, they ro- well, yeah, because by, I mean, by the time Waco occurs, they had already burned, I think, 12, in 12 cases, they had burned and killed one or multiple people who they were sieging um, because they saturated the area with very flammable CS gas, which they then ignited. This happens repeatedly with them, with the HRT. The HRT at the time, they were fucking psychopaths. Oh, yeah. The, the, the initial at the time, the initial, well, tra- are, the initial training so video for the FBI HRT, it starts with an explosion. Like an oversized explosion blowing open the door, and then them come charging in and 
like almost tripping over each other. It's fucking hilarious to watch, but and like that, it's, it's that, really uh, bad scene from the second Aladdin when Genie turns into all the SWAT guys and they all surround <laughs> his dad and do not attempt to move or we will be shooting ourselves because they all have their guns up and they <laughs> All right, let's um <sighs> okay. Um the uh the FBI's standard rules of engagement read Agents are not to use deadly force against any person except as necessary in self-defense or defense of another when they have the reason to believe they or another are in danger of death or grievous bodily harm. Whenever feasible, verbal warnings should be given before deadly force is applied. That is that is the FBI's standard rules of engagement. The FBI's rev- revised rules of engagement for Ruby Rich. One, if any adult male is observed with a weapon prior to the announcement, that is, uh, they, they had a, a surrender announcement early on the 22nd. If any adult male is observed with a weapon prior to the announcement, deadly force can and should be employed if the shot can should. be taken without endangering any and children. Should. Should. Two, if any adult in the compound is observed with a weapon after the surrender announcement is made and is not attempting to surrender deadly force can and should be employed to neutralize the, in- the individual I'm going re- to read that again number two if any adult in the compound is observed with a weapon after the surrender announcement is made and is not attempting to surrender deadly force can and should be employed to neutralize the individual just with a weapon, not even pointing it. Nope. They can have a fucking hunting knife on their head. Yes. If, yeah. <laughs> if compromised by any animal, particularly the dogs, that animal should be eliminated. Mm. Any subjects other than R- Randall Weaver, Vicki Weaver, Kevin Harris presenting threats of death or grievous bodily harm. The FBI's rules of deadly force are in effect. Deadly force can be utilized to prevent the death or grievous bodily injury of to oneself or of another. Which means they knew full well that Sammy was dead. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Because he's not listed there. It, hold on, not only not listed there, but uh, any subjects other than Randy Weaver, Vicky Weaver, Kevin Harris presenting threats of death, grievous bodily harm, the FBI's rules of deadly force are in effect. The, the, those are the standard SOE, right? So if anyone except Randy, Vicky, or Kevin is there, is presenting an actual threat to you, you can't fire until fired upon or in defense of someone else. Right. right? But if you're... <laughs> If you're Randy or Kevin and you have a firearm, you're dead. dead me. You're dead. This is so these rules of engagement change the landscape of this operation. This op has gone from recon capture mm-hmm. to kill, siege, eliminate. This yeah. has turned into a full on military engagement. In one stroke of the pen, this has now been moved into an actual military engagement. This has moved yeah. from a we're trying They've to capture this guy and bring him in into a military enemy. FBI officials yeah. in Washington first 
discussed revising the standard rules of engagement on August 21st, 1992, hours after the killing of Marshal William Deegan. Larry Potts, head of the FBI's criminal division, and the deputy uh, Danny Colsom believed that Deegan had been shot in an unprovoked attack and that other agents were still pinned down by fire from the Weaver cabin. Right? So, 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 fucking so, these, agents. so these rules of engagement are altered due to bad information. Right? There, there's the, Whether the, intentionally the FBI, or unintentionally. No, the FBI HRT landed and set up, set up under the pretense that it was an active, ongoing shootout with the Weavers in the cabin. But I if you stand quietly and listen, yes. you would not hear gunshots. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Potts and Colder thought that the extremely dangerous situation in Ruby Ridge called for a change in the rules to allow snipers to shoot at the Weavers without provocation. And here's... So... Here's here's what's going on. I can guarantee you here's what occurred is the two surviving agents. They make it down the hill, right? They come down, they return to base. Fired upon cover up what they did. Don't mention it. So and so's dead, right? This is what happens. The response of that agent in charge is to get really, really pissed off because how dare you kill one yes. of ours? Yes. And, w- and William so Deegan, he William made Deegan, shit up. William Deegan was a well-known, uh, well-liked, and had uh, a lot of experience. Yep. So what happens is this is about revenge for that that um, special agent in charge. That's what yeah. That's what's going on, is this is revenge. So he lies to his superiors who have no contact other than him and no reason not to believe what he's saying. Right. And so they alter the ROE based on the intel that they're getting from boots on the ground. That intel is being custom tailored to allow them to do what they want to do, regardless of what the actual situation was. Now it's not to absolve the guys in DC entirely, but because they could have asked questions, they could have gotten specific information, they could have clarified and shown that this was wrong. But they just they rubber are, stamped this guy. Yeah, they just rubber stamped it. But they are also relying. And for them, historically, they have no reason to doubt what the boots on the ground are saying. Why would they? Why would they question that? <coughs> so when the right. boots on the ground lie to them willingly to be able to carry out revenge attacks, this is what happens. March 1st, 1996. The five remaining U.S. Marshals received the Marshal Service's highest award for bravery for their actions at Ruby Ridge. God. Jesus Christ. And it's just too bad that they didn't actually earn those. Stolen Valor. <laughs> well, that's the thing is they know they didn't earn them, but they're gonna wear uh, wave them around with pride anyway. Yeah. Oh, to them, to them, they absolutely earned them because well, we took on these dangerous fugitives and we won and we got our man. Yep. Okay. Here's here's one. I got another Except one. you got, got your asses you. handed to you in court. All right. I got I got one more note for you on these on these ROEs. 
uh, on board an FBI jet to Idaho on the night of August 21st. Uh, Richard Rogers, who was the head of the FBI hostage rescue team, drafted revised rules that allowed the shooting of, quote, any adult seen with a weapon. Such an individual could be the subject of deadly force. He called on the fund in Washington, Potts, that's the, the head of the FBI, gave preliminary approval to the revision, but said that it would have to be submitted in writing before the final approval. August 22nd, in the Bonners Ferry Armory, Bonners Ferry is the, the nearest town, uh, Richard Rogers briefed the HRT team uh, about the operation. He told the HRT that if any adults in the Weaver cabin failed to respond to the surrender command and are seen carrying a weapon, deadly force can and should be used to neutralize them. See, it's that and should that really gets my hackles up. Yeah, because it that is a far cry from defense at that point. That turns it into open aggression. That is that is a linguistic alteration that Mm -hmm. makes it an encouragement. Kill order. A A Department of Justice task force in 1994. They're investigating Ruby Ridge and all that good stuff. um, Said that the review review revised rules of engagement at Ruby Ridge quote. Our review found numerous problems with the conduct of the FBI at Ruby Ridge. Although we concluded that the decision to deploy HRT to Ruby Ridge was appropriate and consistent with department policy, we do not believe that the FBI's initial attempts at intelligence gathering at the scene were sufficiently thorough. We also found serious problems with the terms of the rules of engagement in Force Ruby Ridge. Certain portions of these rules do not only departed from the FBI standard deadly force policy, but also contrived the Constitution of the United States. In addition, we found that these rules to be imprecise and believe that they may have created an atmosphere that encouraged the use of deadly force, thereby having the effect of contributing to an unintentional death. Yeah, may thanks. have. May have mm-hmm. you literally said should that isn't a may have that's it yeah. did you said should that is an encouragement word should these people need to go back to elementary school and learn the meaning of words apparently because should is encouraging <coughs> that specific thing if if in Iraq or Afghanistan before its fall if one of our COs had issued a standing order. Uh, that said should do something that was against the greater ROE, he Mm. would be looking at an Article 15 on a good day and a full-on court-martial on an average day. Yeah. For that. Because, no, you do not get to encourage people to shoot people in a war zone. This is in a war zone. And you're not allowed to encourage people to shoot people. But yet, American militarized police are allowed to encourage each other to shoot at American, American citizens. citizens. Yeah, the, the 1996 Senate report criticized the ROE as a, quote, virtual shoot on site order. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, it is. It's not a virtual, it's a literal shoot on site order. Literal number shoot. one. Yeah. And number two. You know, the other thing is, even in Northern Ireland, the British Army never got an ROE that was this permissive. Mm-hmm. Not that, you know, they ever adhered to it, but <laughs> even <Right>. they <laughs> didn't get anything that was this openly permissive. 
that just so, said you should do that. So after that, I just want to keep us moving. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, no, I'm just, we're going to run out of time eventually. Okay. Um, <clears throat> August 22nd, so right, this is the next day. Before the before the negotiators arrived at the cabin, right, this, to, to, to issue the order, right, the, the surrender order. So they hadn't even issued the surrender order yet. Before the negotiators arrived at the cabin, FBI sniper Lon Harashi, from a position of just over 200 yards north and above the Weaver cabin, shot and wounded Randy Reaver in the back with the bullet exiting out his right armpit while he was lifting the latch on the shed to go visit the body of his dead son. Uh, Harachi testified later at trial that he was the crosshairs were on Weaver's spine, but Weaver moved at the last second. So Why is he shooting? Okay? Because he was a male with a firearm. But this yeah. is before the surrender order was given. Yeah, and he, so, but that's that's not what he was briefed on. Yeah, he was told if if they, it's a male, he has a firearm, shoot him, yeah. kill him. That's what he was told. And so when obviously you're under siege and you're going outside of the building, you are carrying a firearm. That is what you are going to do. And so he goes to visit the body of his son armed and he shot for it. Okay. Um, this is the other part that I really don't want to read. Well, the fact, you know, the fact that they kept the, you know, they kept the, uh, the shed too, where you can actually see where, cause the, the, she actually shows, Sarah shows the, where the round impacted the, after exiting where it impacted the, uh, the shed. And you can yeah. see where it actually hit. That's. <sighs> okay. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to read this whole paragraph from another article. It says, um, the FBI, as of yet, made no surrender demand when sniper Lon Harachi's uh, opportunity arose shortly after taking his position. Randy, Sarah, and Kevin left the cabin to visit Sammy's body in the birthing shed. As Randy reached for the shed door, a bullet tore through his arm. Right, this is It went through his arm and out his armpit, or through, through the upper back, out the armpit. After the shot, the three ran back to the cabin. Vicky uh, threw an op- or threw open the door as her husband and eldest daughter, followed by Harris, dove into it. Another shot rang out. From inside the cabin, screams could be heard. What the HRT uh, did not know was, and they would not find out for days, is that the second bullet from Harachi's 308 caliber gun had ripped its way through Vicky Weaver's brain and lodged into the arm of Kevin Harris. It uh, it went through his arm and into his chest, actually. Like it went like like through the through the the bicep and into his chest, right? Yeah, because it's so um, he's he's using he's a sniper, so he's using a hot loaded yes. seven six two NATO cartridge. He's firing this round without being certain of his target or what's beyond it, knowing that there's children in the cabin. Yep. Yes. Um, he, I mean, for all he knows, there was children lined up on the other side of his target, and he just slaughtered an entire family. He, he shot at a moving target. It went through Vicky's head, into Wait, Harris's, it, through Harris's arm, yep. and it enters chest. her head, exits her face, yes. impacts his bicep, goes um, through his bicep, his stops in his chest. 
And she was holding her infant. Yes, and, and, and she, she, she collapsed. She's she's collapsed right then and there. Um, Randy have, having a, a bullet, you know, through his armpit, reached over, grabbed Elisheba, handed Elisheba to, to Rachel, who's the, the middle daughter, and then pulled Vicky into the cabin and slammed the door. In the documentary I watched earlier, the interview with Sarah Weaver, um, Sarah said, Sarah's standing right there. Uh, Sarah said that there was a shot and then she felt something hit her face. And she said it wasn't until later that she realized that what hit her face was the fragments of her mom's skull. Yep. And she was covered in blood from her mom. And her mom dragged inside and uh, pulled off to the side. And that quote that I had to read that was... uh, Earlier it said, uh, I had to crawl through my mom's blood to get to the pantry. Uh, we didn't eat or drink much during that time. That was from a interview she gave later, uh, uh, September 4, 2010, in the Bonner County Daily Bee. Well, and I mean, they, yeah, so, I mean, they've, this is also now, so this is another escalation again on yes. behalf of the federal government where they've now taken two shots at people who were not shooting at them and were not aiming at them and had no intention of shooting at them. They've taken two shots. The people have opened the door. Two shots have come through. Three people have been hit, one of them fatally, while holding an infant. At this point, what the federal government has demonstrated is that they have absolutely no problem killing Mm -hmm. them all. Yes, right. that's and will do so if given an opportunity. That's one of the things that Sarah Weaver talked about in, in that video was that they they were afraid of the windows. They, nobody wanted to go outside because they, they she felt that they were being hunted. Because they were, because that they were that. Mm-hmm. Oh, there are things I want to say about Lon Hariuchi that I will not <laughs> say, but. That save it for the after show. That that murderous fuck <sighs> was perfectly willing to put rounds into anyone and everyone. Something that he would demonstrate not long later at Waco again when he was there as well. That motherfucker deserves the deepest, hottest circle of fucking hell. Yeah. Yes. Um, I can't say it better than that, but. Uh... Yeah, the, the bullet, um, the bullet that, that lodged in, in Kevin Harris's chest, um, excruciating pain, excruciating pain, like to the point where um, he, he was begging Randy to shoot him, like just begging Randy to shoot him. And, and, and he said, Randy, give me a gun. I'll do it myself. Um, so they, so Rand, or, or Kevin Harris was like really fucked up during this. And then Randy had his shot. So they, they bandaged him and, and, and Randy was just out of it at this point sarah said that that she really took over and 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 made made sure that her, her sisters were okay and kept them tried to keep everybody together and all this good stuff so this well, that's yeah. day, that, that's day two well and you gotta you gotta consider sarah at this point i mean she's now she's her fi- brother's been murdered her 15 at the time yes yep her brother's been murdered her, her, her dog's been shot her Killed. father's her, been shot her, her father's laying there severely wounded. One of her her family friends is laying there severely wounded. Critically wounded is, is the term that his, they use, but yes. Yeah, his the I mean, keep in mind if you have a round lodged in your chest, every time you breathe, that your muscles are pulling on that very jagged piece of metal. That is 
breathing hurts. Your heartbeat hurts. Um, And her mom is laying there with her head blown off in a pool of blood in their kitchen. She's afraid to go above the windows and she has to take care of her two little siblings, one of whom is an infant. Infant. Yeah. Eight months old at the time. And she has to take care of them as all of this is going on. Everyone around her that's older than her is bleeding. Everybody's poor dead or dead. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's after they go in the cabin, it's, it's the, the negotiators finally get there and, uh, they're calling out, uh, offering the, the surrender and all this good stuff. And, uh, no response from the cabin. Right? There's no, there's no telephone in the cabin, right? There's, there's no way to communicate with the cabin. I mean, you, they, they did have a radio and they did have some, some local radio stations, um, uh, play some please and things like that. They, they had a, uh, um, one of the, the, the hard lines, right? One of the, the, the portable hard lines, like the, the army radios, uh, they did have, they did put one of those on the porch and they kept trying to get someone to open the door to, to, to grab that. But, they're not going to open the door because, well, last time they opened the door, two people were shot and one was killed. Right. right? Three so, people were right. shot and one was killed. Three, yeah, three, yeah people. three people shot. So they're, they're not opening the fucking door, right? And then um, <coughs> kind of it kind of gets it, it gets worse from there. But um, <sighs> some of the negotiation negotiation efforts inspired the belief that Vicky was still alive. And was key to a peaceful resolution of the standoff, backfired miserably. Notably, for example, there were suggestions. Uh, there was suggestions by the negotiator on the third day. Quote: "Good morning, Mrs. Weaver. We're having pancakes this morning. And what did you have for breakfast? Why don't you send your children out for some pancakes, Mrs. Weaver?" The Weavers interpreted the pancake idea as just a cruel joke that they were fucking with them, uh, expecting to die any moment and hail the bullets or a, fi- or a firestorm. Kevin and Randy composed a six-page letter offering their side of the confrontation, right? So, so that they, they wrote out everything that was happening, right? Because right. they thought they were going to die. Yes. So for the next for the next six days, this is how it goes on. It's it's the the negotiators on the loudspeaker in the morning, right? It's the negotiators throughout the day, you know, trying trying to uh, appeal to Vicky's good side to to, to end everything, right? Trying trying to uh, uh, appeal to Randy to to, to let everybody go and, and, and to end this thing. Six days. Jesus. And this is, and this is summer, right? Like this is late, late August. August. Yeah. This is, this is hot late summer. August, this is basically low insulated cabin. Yes. With, and with there's no, a, with, with no running water, no running water. And, and there's a dead body decomposing covered, in the kitchen. Covered by a sheet. Yes, this went on for six days. Um, uh, Sarah said in, in, in one of the interviews that I, I watched that you could that they could hear them in the crawl space under the cabin pulling things out. Um, this is okay. So the, the the second day when the negotiators were there, uh, that's when they that's when they were looking at everything. That's when they found Samuel's body. They took Samuel's body down, and the uh, the. The FBI special agent in charge um, down there. Um, we didn't even talk about what was down there either. But um, at, the, at the bottom of the hill, told the news reporters that Sammy was dead. 
and um, um, national outrage, right? The, the, the story, yep. the story completely flipped at that point in the national media, the national media, right? They were previous to all this happening. As, as we talked about, the FBI was under pressure, right? And it was because the, the, the national media, they, they were talking about um, this, this, the, the white supremacists on the Hill and, and all that stuff. Why can't, why can't the FBI just go get him? Why, why can't the government just go get this guy? There's a dead federal agent. They attacked, uh, you know, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Exactly. Yeah. So then when it was reported that, that Sammy was dead, the story changed, right? Cause this is, this is a 14 year old boy. This is, this is a, a small 14 year old boy too, by the way. Yeah, he, was right? he, was, he was only like, like four foot 10, like a hundred pounds. Right. This is a small 14 year old boy. Right. Not like so, my 14 year old. Yeah. Like so the national story changed. But hours way, um, well, and he'd been dead. And, and it also came out, you know, I mean, that he had been dead since day one. Since day one. Yeah. The major siege like that yeah. came out that he'd been dead this whole time that right out of the gate. Federal agents had killed him. Yes. Yeah. Right. So but uh, um, when the the February 2nd or, or February 2nd, uh, August 22nd, that is the, the day, second day before Vicky was killed. Um, there was a, uh, emergency order put out by the, uh, Idaho governor, which allowed the national guard to, to become there. And then the, the county also had some people there. There were state police there, the FBI there. Um, there were 400 people at this base camp at the bottom of the mountain government uh, on, the, on the, on the government side, 400 government agents. Your for, taxpayer dollars at work, ladies and gentlemen. For 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 six people and a baby. Yeah. In a in a thin walled plywood cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, something like like seven hundred pieces of equipment, like like they had like they had big U-Haul trucks to bring in all this equipment. Like they had so much equipment, they had to get U-Haul trucks to bring yeah, in there was... to bring in more equipment. The, the news coverage, if you watch the news coverage from the time, and I remember watching it when I was a kid, watching it and and seeing this stuff. And I didn't really know what was going on, but I remember watching it. And you'll see, you know, the, all of the protesters, because all these protesters mm-hmm. start gathering on the approach to the mountain and all over the place. Because yeah. they all live there and they're all pissed off because this is their neighbors. And then you have people from outside of the area start coming in and it becomes national. But they the there's a there's one part where live it's being recorded and this woman is screaming at these national guard guys yeah, why do you killer. have yeah well and she's like why do you have a tank why do you yeah, need a tank had, for those they people nas- they had national guard apcs mm-hmm. like armor, armored personnel carriers that can't even get up the fucking mountain <laughs> but they got them there yeah they're humvee they're humvees there there are, and keep in mind, the Humvees still new at this point. Um, there are Humvees there. There, are the but I mean, I just remember the 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 flatbed going by, and it's this big semi with a flatbed, and it's got a big APC on it, and in in forest camo, painted forest camo, yeah, going by, and her screaming at this this like captain or something in the National Guard, yelling at him, "Why do you need a tank for these people?" Why is this necessary? Why are you bringing in all this stuff? Why do you need these trucks? Why do you need these tanks? Why do you need all those machine guns? Why is all this here? Why do you need it? And you'll notice that they didn't use almost any of it. No, no. no the, only, the only thing that they, they used was a Jeep to get up the trail. They yes. used a Jeep and a they Jeep used trail. Lon motherfucking Horiuchi's rifle. 
Yes. It's um, like they expected like all the scary white supremacists in the area to fucking band <laughs> up and attack them. Well, there, there, that there would have made things a lot more interesting. There was an attempt. There was an attempt by a a, a group from the Aryan Nation. Um, they uh, they tried to get up one of the back roads in a, like a suburban or something, and they did have a bunch of firearms and some and some long term storage food in the back. So they did try. So so there, there was an attempt by some people to get up there, but. Well, well not, know, the to attack, is, not to attack the agents, though. No. Just to get supplies to the fucking yes. weavers. Yes. Yeah. But the, the <coughs> funny thing is, is that they, they act like that. But at the same time, if you also look at the photos of that base camp, all of the defenses are aimed at that cabin. Nothing is looking backwards. Nothing is looking yeah, out. True. It's mm-hmm. all aimed at that cabin. So if the which, Aryan which nation you could, decided which you to mobilize, even see, which they couldn't even see from the camp, the camp yeah. was two miles away. Yeah. So they couldn't even yeah. see anything, but they still had defenses pointed that way. They actually brought in. If you actually look at the look at the photos and look at the footage, they actually brought in bulldozers to level the area that they set up the camp in. Um, they they physically altered like the terrain. It's like these fucking cops. Okay that wanted to play commando yep. with this fucking green beret that they had a kill order on. Yes. <laughs> had Rambo come out by then? Rambo had come out by then. Uh, right? First, oh, yeah, actually, Rambo, Rambo, Rambo had come out by then because um, uh, we're about to talk about Bo Gritz. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, First Blood, First Blood seems to have inspired them. They're all under the impression that Randy, who by this point is, by the way, overweight, and... <laughs> kind of getting up there in age already and yeah and a dad and everything else he's like me i mean that's what happens eat green berries we get out of the military we're used to eating six thousand seven thousand calories a day on a light day and uh suddenly we're not doing all that work and guess what happens we go (laughs) and we get really really fucking fat that's what happens navy seals do it marsoc does it this is what happens randy had already been navy seals do it while they're writing their obligatory memoir yeah, yeah. but I mean, if you look at uh, um, what's his face, the the lone survivor, I I can't remember his name off offhand, but you look at him, right? He's Latrell, Marcus Latrell. He's he's gotten quite chunky as well. He's probably about the same weight as I am. We get really fat, man. So this guy that they're like he's got visibly like a fucking commando threat. Yeah. yeah. So like um, this guy that they're thinking is going to be Rambo is probably like two hundred and fifty <laughs> pounds of mostly we'll, flab. We'll, we'll get he's got we'll get bad to, knees. Like we'll get to Rambo in a second. Rambo that people say that Bo Gritz was the um, uh, in, inspiration for Rambo. Hmm. Which I you you see ever see Bill Gritz's medal count? Yeah, I've 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 seen I've seen his service record. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's impressive. But uh, uh Lon Harachi, a quick note on Lon Harachi. Um, in 1997, the Bonner County DA filed a um involuntary manslaughter charge against Lon Harachi, and um uh, got it got a jury to to go through with it. Uh, grand jury indictment, uh, and he was going to bring him up for trial when the FBI, it was the, the FBI and ATF lawyer at the time, um, William Barr. You guys know that name, what right? What a yeah. shock oh, wow. that former AG William Barr was involved yes, in William, this shit. William yeah. Barr stepped in, and he's like, hey, you know, supremacy clause. <laughs> I gotcha. And um, 
the DA wanted to keep pressing charges, but then he uh, lost lost an election. Uh, lost an election in 2000. There was a new DA that came in, and uh, the new DA in 2001 dropped the charges. You know, and that's not what the fucking supremacy clause says, even. Yes. And that's not what it's in. Uh, that wasn't in the, the spirit uh, or the letter. Uh, in the uh, the Senate hearing uh, for Lon Harachi, uh, he actually pled the fifth like 17 times or something. Jesus. Including, uh, yeah. including when asked whether or not he knew that it was Vicky Weaver that he, he was targeting. I just want to point that out. When he was asked categorically if he knew that his crosshair was on the back of Vicky Weaver's head, he pled the fifth. Yes. Um, so, the, um, the... Real quick, there's from the Ameland article here, it also says, fun little fact, Karachi was involved in the Waco siege, which we've mentioned, and Timothy McVeigh printed up cards for gun shows, encouraging people to target him. Indeed, <laughs> McVeigh considered targeting Harachi and his family rather than the federal building. Well, no comment on that one. Yeah, no. <laughs> if anyone's interested in what ultimately like, happened I, to Lon Horiyuchi. I, I hate that and their family impulse. Yeah. That, you, that yeah, fucking bugs the shit out of me. That's not, you know, I mean, I understand, but that's that's not okay. No, uh, if anyone's curious what ultimately happened to Lon Horiyuchi uh, after Ruby Ridge and Waco, the answer is absolutely nothing. The man is happily retired in Hawaii. Probably not even his real name. Probably not, I would imagine. Put that up. But he he not only retired, he retired to a tropical fucking paradise with with metals for bravery from yeah. all of this. All right. So for the, for the next for the next week that's how it goes. They're on they're crawling around in the cabin. Kevin Harris is 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 crying out in pain. Randy Weaver's dealing with a bullet wound. Uh 15-year-old um uh Sarah is is taking care of her two younger kids. Dead mom is is is, is de- de- decomposing in the kitchen. Well, she's taking um, care. Sarah's not just taking care of of the younger kids. She's also tending the wounds of Harris and her father, because her father's delirious from blood loss. Harris is delirious from pain and blood loss. They're both dehydrated as shit. Because when you're bleeding that much, you need water bad, and there is no water in this fucking cat. Right. Uh, there was finally a breakthrough on August twenty eighth. Uh, when Randy agreed to speak with Bo Gritz. Bo Gritz was a former Green Beret and prominent uh, of the right-wing views. He was running for the president of the United States on the Populist Party ticket. That's that's a wonderful <clears throat> ticket. Yeah. To run um, let's see. Uh, um, so Gritz and two other friends of Randy succeeded on August 30th in convincing the, uh, the injured Harris to surrender and receive medical treatment. So, so Bo, uh, there's actually, there's actual video of this, of, of Bo talking about this. And he says that, uh, um, he went up to the cabin, um, and he's yelling out and he's, he's standing on this rock from the cabin and he's yelling out, Randy, this is Bo Gritz. And he said, he saw Randy's face, you know, in the window. And, um, and, uh, and he says, he said, he said, Randy called out, Bo, they killed my Vicky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And keep then, in uh, mind, I mean, Bo, he, with this interaction, keep in mind that Bo and Randy had never actually met. No. However, Randy definitely knows oh, who Bo Gritz is. I, I, I was never in the military, and I knew who Bo Gritz was. Yeah, I, right. I he's a legend now with 40, us. 40 we know. Yeah, we know yeah. who Bo Gritz is. 
now. So keep in mind that for the previous week, negotiators have been calling out to Vicki Weaver. For the previous week, with, she, she's dead in the cabin for a week. They've been calling out to her, Vicky, hey, we're having pancakes. Vicky, hey, we're having blueberry pancakes. They, 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 they called the camp at the bottom of the hill, Camp Vicky. Ugh. All right? And then... Uh, Come to find out, she's been dead since yes, they shot and, into the cabin. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. another, another one of the, the, the points that uh, this article doesn't mention is during this whole time, this, this, this whole week after the discovery of Samuel... There's no news coming out from the from from the from the FBI on this, right? There's there's reporters there's reporters at the at the roadblock national local, um, from from Europe like from the Guardian and stuff. There's there's reporters and they're asking for information and there's no information. So the story that they're running, that they keep running, is Samuel Weaver, Samuel Weaver, Samuel Weaver. And then it's just it, creating more and more support for the yes. Weavers. And then it gets well, reported. Bo, um, they they actually actually allow Bo to uh, the next day after talking. Um, Bo goes up with a uh, or no, the, the first day. So he's talking. He's he says he said that they, they killed my Vicky. Um, they start talking about things and and they and uh, Kevin Harris leaves leaves the Bo grits goes down the hill and um, uh, gets some medical and all this other stuff. So the next day, Bo goes up and he goes up with a body bag and a couple of friends uh from the area uh that knew the weavers and um uh randy allows Bo to to take vicky's body down the hill and and the couple of people um like they brought up some cleaning supplies and and they go in and they clean up the blood and 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 a bunch of other stuff and and take care of the girls and and they make them a a big dinner and just take care of the girls and 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 help bandage uh, randy up and and leave and then uh so then there's, then it's reported that vicky's dead and the story again completely changes against the government um completely changes everything everything is is, is she's been dead for a week they killed the mom of these of these girls the day after they killed their girl's little brother Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the, the media outrage, the, the protest at the roadblock at the bottom of the hill intensifies, intensifies. There's like the, you can see the video and there's there's fear. There's actual real fear in the eyes of the National Guardsmen that are running this roadblock. There's 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 women and old ladies screaming in their faces, calling them murderers, calling them baby killers. Mm-hmm. So saying that everything that they're doing justifies what Randy and Vicky believed and why they moved there. Mm-hmm. Just keep in mind, most of the yeah. people who live in this area believe the same. I mean, this is the redoubt. Most yeah. of these people who have moved here already believe the same things as the Weavers, which is why the and Weavers moved already- there. They already believe that the government can and will act like this towards some fucking place. Yeah, and all they've done is absolutely 100% yeah, vindicate all of what they've been saying for years by this point. Yeah. All of it. That Which is actually something that gets brought up. If you watch a lot of the historical news coverage, if you go back and watch a lot of it, it can be a little difficult to find. But if you watch it, 
you will actually see that that even gets brought up like PBS actually that when they're covering it even bring up that this is what these people believe and this would seem to vindicate everything that they've been saying yeah that this is exactly what they've been saying <laughs> i mean it's it's bad enough it's 29 years later we're still talking about it yeah yeah and it's still it's still 29 years later it's still strong enough to elicit like real emotion without being without being on the on the indoctrination front like like D-Day or or Pearl Harbor or 9/11 or anything like that. Yeah. Right? I mean that this is but it, it's still Ruby Ridge. You, you say Ruby Ridge to some people and and you can feel their energy change. Well, and you'll yep. notice you, you know what's always it irked me it is that You'll hear people talk about guys like Timothy McVeigh and what he did, whether you agree with it or not, that they'll talk about it and they'll say, you know, they'll bring up, you know, he he talked about Waco and Ruby Ridge and other, you know, other domestic terrorists. They'll bring up, you know, well, they talked about, you know, they're, you know, they're blaming the government for Waco and Ruby Ridge. And you always hear that Waco, Ruby Ridge, Waco, Ruby Ridge, Waco, Ruby Ridge mm -hmm. all the time especially on mass media and yet it's like but did none of you ever stop and consider that maybe there's a reason that these two events keep radicalizing the up? fuck out of people yeah like that this is why these people keep bringing up those moments that this is why it keeps getting talked about right. has it but never yeah, to you that there might about, be a reason yeah you're talking about actual offensive military operations taken against American citizens within the confines of the United States. Yes. And people learn about that and they actually start to realize exactly the length that the government is willing to go in order to get their man. Yeah. And then yeah. it really starts to turn people to, uh, to look at things and how things are going now. You know, right. you look at what happened in Minneapolis last year where people were shot at on their own fucking porches because they were on their own property after an imposed curfew. Light them but, up. You know, the, that's what gets said in the video. Happening. If you listen yeah. to the video, they go light them up right yep. before the gunfire starts. Yep. Oh. And so, I mean, you start seeing that happening last year. And then when that got brought up, my my own sister brought up to me you know, Ruby Ridge and Waco. It's like, yeah, what the hell do you think we've been trying to tell you? And the thing is, is that these incidents just absolutely tear apart this bullshit narrative that everybody is fed throughout their most like formative years in school about the rights of American citizens and how free this country is and a right to a fair trial and this and that. And even the Second Amendment, right to self-defense, things like that. People believe so deeply in these things that when they find out, when they really find out what happened at Waco and Ruby Ridge, it just destroys the foundation of their belief in this nation. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's see, where was I? Um, okay, so the aftermath. Um, so... The, the next day, Randy, Randy and the girls, they come out and 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 then Randy's arrested and all this other stuff. And the girls it's almost like if they had just brought somebody out who he trusted from the beginning, maybe all of this could have been avoided. huh? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Or, you know, not try to entrap him in the first fucking place. Well, yeah, but I mean, once you did, I mean, if you had just been like, hey, we just need somebody that he'll trust yeah. to come out. Well, yeah, it's just another avenue of resolution that they fucking rejected because they wanted so, him dead. Mm-hmm. Because if dead men tell no tales. Well, and I guarantee you, you know, and, the, and this is the thing that I want to bring up real quick. And I know we're getting to the to the to the end and, and the yeah, aftermath. Yeah, I need to but... get going, too. What I want to bring up real quick, though, is that if the media had not shown up, mm-hmm. if the local media hadn't been there, if all those protesters hadn't been there, if all of those eyewitnesses hadn't had their eyes on it, Randy you wouldn't have th- survived yeah. his surrender. No, none of them would have been left alive. Right. Yes. None Except maybe the little girls. Yeah, Maybe. Probably not Sarah, but the other two. Right. That's what I meant. The, the two littler girls. <laughs> All right. Um, well, and that's assuming that they didn't get caught in the crossfire in the first fucking place. Right. Yeah, they right. would have just unloaded with said probably, uh, uh, they would have taken a, a Madus on a Humvee up there and just unloaded right through the wall and killed them all. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Um. After their surrender, Weaver and Harris were charged with a variety of offenses. Their trial, the U.S. District Court in Boise, began April 1993 and was presided over by Judge Edward Lodge. Weaver's defense attorney, Gary Spence, rested his case in mid-June without calling any witnesses for the defense, instead seeking to convince the jury through cross-examination aimed at discrediting government evidence and witnesses. If, if, you, don't know the, if you don't know the name, Gary Spence, G-E-R-R-Y. This guy is a world famous litigator and like hasn't actually lost a case since like 1969 or something yeah spence is a legend absolutely legit um Weaver was ultimately acquitted in july of all charges except missing the original court date and violating his bail conditions for which she was sentenced to 18 months and fined ten thousand dollars uh he was credited with time served in good behavior weaver was Weaver served less than 16 months and was released from the Canyon County Jail in Caldwell in mid-December. Harris was defended by attorney David Nevin and was acquitted of all charges. Uh, exactly five years after the incident, that is August 21st, 1997, he was indicted by Dan- by Bandery County Prosecutor Dennis Werberry for the first-degree murder of Bill Deegan. But the charges were dismissed in early October on the grounds of double jeopardy. Because he had been acquitted of the federal criminal trial of the same charge in 1993. Yep. Yep. And the prosecutor just completely seemed to forget that the Constitution exists. What a surprise. Um, Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. Where's the other part that I want to get to? See, next next time we have something like this, I'm going to take Andrew's advice and just make like a... Here's a paragraph that I really like. It's worth noting that the federal government took active steps to cover their tracks after the siege of Ruby Ridge. The chief of the Bureau's violent crimes and major offender section pled guilty to attempting to destroy all copies of the FBI's internal report on the siege. Federal Judge Edward Lodge, or yeah, Federal Judge Edward Lodge penned a lengthy list of misdeeds, including fabrication of evidence and refusing to comply with court orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, Randy Weaver and his daughters filed a wrongful death suit for $200 million related to the killing of his wife and son. Um, if it had gone to trial, 
the the Washington Post. Uh, let's see. Uh, on the condition of an, uh, anonymity, a DOJ official told the Washington Post that he believes the Weavers probably would have gotten the full amount in the case had it gone to trial. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, at a court settlement in August 1995, the federal government awarded uh, Randy Weaver $100,000 and his three daughters $1 million each. The government admitted no wrongdoing in the deaths of Sammy or Vicky. Uh, of he should have just taken it fucking <laughs> Yeah, attorney for yeah. Harris pressed Harris's civil suits for damages, although federal officials vowed they would never pay someone who had killed a U.S. Marshal. In September 2000, Harris was awarded $380,000 $380, settlement from the government. <laughs> we'll never pay any... Yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah. He killed him defending a child yeah. from him. Yep. And you'll notice, again... Just to go back to that, that he was the one who was killed. He was the one that no one thought had fired, and he had fired seven rounds. Yes. Yep. Which means he was the one firing the most at the child, which is why he was targeted and why he was shot. He was a legit target for a defensive shot. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and then, uh, as I said, 1997, they tried to indict Lon Hirachi for manslaughter before the statute of limitations for the charge could expire. Then um, Barr stepped in, supremacy clause, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Which blah. is a load of horseshit. That isn't actually what the supremacy clause says. And had that prosecutor had any balls and pushed it, they would have been able to go forward anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but... Again, the odds are always stacked against you. I mean, always. I mean, Weaver should have gotten millions of dollars. It doesn't bring his wife back, but right. it at least punches the federal government in the balls. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Let's see. In 1996, Weaver offered his services to defuse tensions between the FBI and the Montana Freeman. Um, I don't know if you guys know the Montana Freeman uh, militia. They were, uh, they were yep. not great people. Uh, in 2000, Weaver visited the former site of the Branch Davidian Church that had been destroyed another high-profile siege in Waco, Texas. And then uh, later, uh, 2007, um, he was at a rally for Ed and Elaine Brown uh, in New Hampshire who were uh, resisting, who were under siege for resisting federal income tax. Right. Can you imagine being Randy Weaver, knowing that your wife was murdered by Lon Horiuchi? And going to the ashes of Mount Carmel mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. knowing that that same motherfucker helped do that. Yes. Right. So and you right, couldn't let's, get um, justice for your wife. And so he was like, there's got to be some guilt there, too, that they didn't manage oh, to yeah. get justice for his wife. Yeah. And so the guy was free to do what he did at Waco, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's. Uh, we're just yeah, about time, going. so let's uh, some final thoughts. Anything you want to add? The why whole is, thing makes why me is, fucking sick. Why is Am this still relevant? Let's, let's, go, let's go that. Why is this still relevant? Because well, I think I kind of touched on that a little bit. Worse now. Yeah, the the police, law enforcement as a whole, from the feds all the way down to your local smoky in a one officer town, are worse now than they were. You know, all those freaking years ago, almost 30 years ago. Yeah. And it's just going to continue to get worse. Yeah. As time goes forward, unless people 
Just watch the videos coming out of Australia. Please, for the love of God, watch the videos coming out of Australia. Because one person directing all those people in the protests to break the lines completely destroyed. On a horse, by the way. No, the first time they were all on foot. <laughs> no, the the one guy was on a horse. He was the one directing. No, him. I saw I saw that guy. Oh, but that back. was the day after. I'm on a horse. But what we're saying after. is is that yeah. American citizens in America yeah. are still at risk, always at yeah, risk when people of being treated like this by our fucking government. Well, pe- and, people and people look, say people say our government would never do that. Bullshit, you know, they uh, have and they will just, again. Just just obey the law. You know, just. Just take a take fight a chance. Court. Take, yeah, fight it. Fight it in court. Take a chance. Yeah, yeah. both Waco and Ruby Ridge. It was to. gun charges, and in both cases, they were ultimately exonerated. Yeah, they weren't doing anything illegal at all, regardless of morality of the gun laws. They weren't doing anything even within the gun laws that was illegal. Yeah. But I mean, to Chris's point about Australia, you'll notice if you watch what gets said to people in Australia right now, a lot of it is, well, if only you hadn't given up your guns, to which my response every time is we haven't given up our guns. And what the fuck are we doing? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at what Australia is doing without guns. Look at what they're doing. But France, man. France. Yeah, France. France and um, Ireland. And um, yeah, I think we're complacent because we still have our guns. It makes us feel it's, secure in ways that we're really not. Yeah, but if we never if we it's, never it's use our, them, gun, use guns them. guns are Linus's blanket. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is we everyone in the United States knows that the moment that somebody is at these protests and actually starts using these guns, that's the moment that the United States government is going to come in and they're going to start pulling a fucking Tiananmen Square. Yeah. That's what'll happen, and then they'll start going after the guns with legal means immediately that's what'll happen and we all know it which is why no one's using their guns everyone's being fucking cowards at these protests no one even if they are armed they're not doing anything even as the cops move in and that is because we have a president that says shit like you would need fucking nukes (laughs) and f-15s to take us on but he doesn't tweet mean things dearka yeah, he's still orange, yeah. I was gonna say at that last <laughs> interview, he was still fucking orange. <laughs> Look at me, I'm also the orange man too, man. Yeah. All right, like let's four, uh five days ago. Throw out your plug, let's get out of here. Uh buy my book. That's it. And yeah. her crochet pattern. Yeah, yeah, that too. If you're into crochet, it's a cool pattern. If you're not, buy it anyway. We said so. <laughs> Support a system, would you? <laughs> yeah. Andrew? That's it for me. Links are in the description. Andrew. Man, after that, like, I, I don't even... I, I promote beard shit and stuff, man. Like, I don't even want to promote his, anything on this episode. I don't his, even want to do, yeah. it. I want to do it. I didn't want to get links, into it. His links are in the description. And um, finally got Odyssey figured out. So if you want to see their pretty faces um not my pretty face but their pretty faces you can check us out on odyssey all our videos are uploaded there now because the odyssey help team is fantastic and helped out this total techno doesn't know fuck person that's still talking for some reason (laughs) thanks odyssey (laughs) (laughs) so on that note last thoughts last thoughts last thoughts i'm fucking want to puke
Yeah, it's, this is this fuck is the government. Those, this fight is the one of those subjects. Enemy. This is one of those subjects. It's just if there's one thing that anybody, any up. of you yeah right if there's one thing that anybody listening to this can take away it's this one simple fact the government is the real threat yes yep they, they are the ones that yep. want to ins- further enslave every yep. last one of you yep. whether you are a conservative a liberal uh, woke leftist lunatic. I don't care. Yeah, they want and... you in chains, whether physically or figuratively, and they want to own you. Yep. And there is no law so insignificant that they will not kill you to enforce. Kill you and your family. Yeah. In a yeah. heartbeat over. Don't think they're your friends. The police are not your friends. DA are not your friends. The FBI aren't your friends. None of them are your friends. Whether you, they're, oh, but I've known them for you. No, when push comes to shove, they will side with their gang every fucking time and they will quite happily murder you, pat each other on the fucking back for it and give each other fucking medals. Yep. yep. On that note, before Andrew blows a gasket, <laughs> support your local guerrilla fighter, get out and train, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Peace.